Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. Constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death, the winner takes his enemy's head. And with it, his power. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome in to Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 4, Episode 4, Leader of the Pack. And here to talk with you uh, about this episode, as we are every week, I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me, as always, is Audie. Audie, how are you this week? Doing all right, all things considered. Rona has entered the Norman house and infected oh. my wife. So, Oh, boy. But everybody else has done the other tests and we're all negative so hopefully it's just her and hopefully it's light we're all vaxxed me and her are boosted so we should be okay yeah i mean my my experience with it was not fun but it only lasted the actual kind of covid part of it only lasted maybe two days it was the Mm -hmm. the the thing to be careful about is like you know pneumonia or something some kind of lingering effects after uh, hopefully it's not right. too bad. I had a friend of mine who caught it right around the same time I did, and she was complaining that, uh, you know, like she's just constantly congested and coughing ever since mm-hmm. then. But it's hard to say if that's fallout from the COVID or if it's this time of year and it's just something that, right. like, it, you know, it, it's really tough to say, but that that's the stuff to worry about is just kind of watch that. Yeah. So hopefully it's quick and uh, and relatively painless. And it doesn't spread yeah. to anyone else in the house. Just just keep her in a, in a room. Just slide yep. some gruel under the door for her every 12 hours, and she'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's about how we're doing it. So, <laughs> and the boys are all vaxxed, so they can even still go to school and stuff while she's isolating. So that's nice. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, we have an episode to talk about. And yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going to say it's a bad episode. And it... It's all. It's a little unfair given how good the first three episodes of this season have been, um, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad episode uh, by any stretch. It's no, just weaker than it. the others. It, and this is one of those that definitely it shows it's an episode of the mid nineties. Yes, know? a lot of the nits to pick are just about the time frame that it's in. It is. This is a very much a product of its time episode. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, at the same time, um, it's still, it's still completely watchable in my opinion. Um, yeah. And I think we talk about that, but before we do, uh, I got another watcher chronicle. We're going to play it. So nice. here it is. October 16th, 1995. I was talking to Barb Hardy yesterday and I found out her most recent assignment, David Coleman was found dead. She said he looked like he'd been attacked by some kind of wild animal with bite marks all over his arms. That sounds a lot like the work of Peter Canis. And I know he has a history with MacLeod. I remember reading something happening between them back in the late 1700s. Canis is bad news, but with what's happened between Dawson and MacLeod recently... The Highlander may not get any help from us. So things start out, there's a man running through the woods. Um, 
just like frantically running. Uh, his he, you you see his arm is bloody, um, and he's being <laughs> chased by a large dog. And that dog then jumps at him, attacks him, biting at his at his arm. He's got a sword in his hand, so we can assume he's an immortal. Um, mm-hmm. And then the dog, he eventually wrestles the dog away. Dog runs off. He gets up and takes off. And then we see from the direction that that dog went, three dogs come running back, chasing him full bore. And they're chasing him through the woods. They corner him against a tree. And then he feels the presence of another immortal. And a man walks out who he calls Canis. And uh, the guy takes his head and he takes the head of the other immortal who's just exhausted and run down and bleeding. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we, we cut to Duncan leaving a, a large building and down and he's walking, walking along, kind of reading a book, got his, uh, got a bag over his shoulder when he notices that a large dog is following him. And uh, it's like a big Rottweiler looking uh, type of dog. And he stops at one point and even goes to pet the dog, and the dog starts to growl at him. So he's like, fine, be that way, and he just walks away. Mm-hmm. Um, so he makes it back to the the dojo, and Richie's there looking over some stuff on the computer. They banter a little bit, and it comes out that Duncan is going to be teaching a class at the university. on uh, looks mm-hmm. like art history or something. We don't exactly know the, the exact subject, but he mentions uh, art and... Um, like armor and weaponry in history mm-hmm. makes sense. It's stuff that Duncan would know. Um, right. So, uh, and the, the scene ends with dogs barking outside the dojo and Duncan kind of pensively looking out the window. He's a little concerned. He doesn't based off of, you know, having the dog following him earlier. He's a little, mm-hmm. uh, little, maybe paranoid. It's hard to say. Um, so you know, leery, I think it would be the right word. Right. Uh, so then we get, uh, the next day, Richie's getting a hot dog at the hot dog stand when he sees uh, a young man with kind of red curly hair come, come walking down the street and he recognizes him and he flashes back to the night that he was shot and Tessa was shot. It's the same kid. Mm -hmm. It's the kid that shot and killed Tessa. And Richie just goes full rage mode, like tackles the kid on the street in broad daylight and then gets up and chases him down the street. Uh, they get to uh, the apartment building, and he's—I mean, Richie straight up grabs a trash can, knocks the glass out the out of the door to get into the building to chase this guy. Right. He is—he is all about finding this dude. Chases him all the way to his apartment, just throwing him around the apartment. The guy's girlfriend is. <laughs> obviously going a little bit hysterical because she's at home when suddenly her boyfriend comes running in and tells her to hide. And some other dude kicks the door in and just starts throwing her boyfriend around the apartment. Yeah. Um, Richie is not messing around, but the police got called. And so they come in and they arrest Richie. Mm-hmm. Um, they should. Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully so. He deserves to get arrested there. Um, we cut back to Duncan. He's, he's teaching his class. And afterwards, as he's walking out to his car, he's kind of having a conversation with a few more of the students when he sees the dogs. He sees three dogs um, and it gets his attention and we get a flashback. Coming out of the flashback, he follows the dogs and finds Peter Canis in a nearby cemetery. They do Mm -hmm. the immortal thing and kind of talk in the cemetery on holy ground. Um, 
there's some back and forth. Canis kind of tells him that uh, the hunting is the fun part is sort of what he's alluding to. And because Duncan at one point just tells him, why don't we just get off holy ground and end this? So, and Canis is like, not yet. I'm going to have some fun first. And kind of tells him, you know, one, cause one of the things is he uses the dogs to hunt the immortals and wear them down. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the fun for him. It's it's his pack. He he thinks of himself as a part of this pack of dogs. So that's kind of where that ends. As Canis walks away, and Duncan's left unknown when when or where the attack's going to be coming from because he can't feel the dogs coming. Mm-hmm. So he leaves there and he goes to the police station, where Richie is in the process of trying to explain to him that this kid shot Tessa. And they have a file on Tessa's death, but there's no witnesses, there's no evidence, there's nothing tying Mark, which is this kid's name, Mark, to that. Just Richie's word. Uh, when Duncan shows up, he is visibly angry, like ready mm-hmm. to attack. He's also ready to attack this kid in the police station. Um, you kind of get that sense. But the cops are like, we got, we have no evidence, there's no witnesses. You know Why, why didn't you say anything two years ago, this kind of thing? This guy's got no criminal record, um, which is kind of a, a nitpick we'll talk about later, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, he's got no criminal record. We have to let him go. Meanwhile, Richie's got his juvie record, so obviously nobody's going to believe. They're not going to believe him. Um, so after Mark and his girlfriend leave the police department, we get a scene where Duncan has followed him and looks like he's ready to confront him. But as he's walking, and and Mark and his girlfriend are are loading up a pickup truck, right? They're just getting out of town. Um, Mm -hmm. And as Duncan is about to walk up to him, he notices that the girl is pregnant, and he kind of has second thoughts, and he backs away. Um, Yeah, he's he's not ready to to do this right there, and it sort of feels like a the type of thing of like a Tessa wouldn't want him to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know that, that. just Duncan wouldn't want to do that. We'll talk about that. But mm-hmm. um, So Richie goes to talk to Joe about uh, what's going on because he's confused why Duncan suddenly doesn't want to go find this guy. And Joe, meanwhile, is just stone, stone-faced. He's very despondent. He's very sad-seeming, and he has... He has no emotional connection right now with Duncan based on what happened a couple right. of episodes ago. Well, Richie doesn't apparently know that, and so he's confused now why Joe's acting the way he is. So here's Richie, who's got Duncan acting one way that doesn't make any sense to him. Joe is acting like this. Richie, meanwhile, is just seething with anger. Like, he just wants to tear this guy's head off with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan goes to the park and goes for a jog. We get a nice montage slash flashback of uh, of Tessa, and it's an interesting montage. I felt like at times it went a little far, like it lasted a little bit too long, but then it mixed in with stuff dealing with Mark presently that mm-hmm. helped it a little bit. Um, yeah. But it ends with um, Duncan still running in the park when he gets attacked by the dogs again. Yeah. Um, he narrowly gets away, but one of the dogs gets hit by a car. Uh Oh yeah. Um, so at the end of things, Richie goes after Mark again, this time basically telling Duncan, I don't care what you think I'm going after him. 
and mm. even has a moment where he says, are you going to try and stop me? And Duncan doesn't. So Richie goes after Mark, mm. chases him yet again, this time up like four flights of a, of a fire escape and is hanging him off the side of the fire escape when we cut away to Duncan out at the house that he's been remodeling. And uh, Canis shows up there with, with his dogs. But Duncan's got a little trick up his sleeve, gets the dogs out of, out of play without harming them, fights Canis, takes his head. And when Richie comes back to the loft, we find out that he didn't go through with it. He couldn't kill Mark. He just yeah. he couldn't bring himself to do it, which mm-hmm. I liked Duncan's reaction to that because there's yeah. there's like a little swell of pride in Duncan. Like he under he he understands Richie's anger, but he's also happy to see him kind of be able to overcome that. Right. Um yeah. and that's kind of where the episode ends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's there's some things we're gonna talk about between the flashbacks between Richie's kind of arc in here. Um that worked really well. There's a few things that didn't work very well. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but you know, it's, it's not a bad episode. Um, I think the first thing we ought to talk about though, are special guests. Yeah. Ooh, a little bedside reading. Well, got some cramming to do. As in studying? You're taking a class. Nope. Teaching one at the university. So special guests this week, got a couple. Um, it's, it's interesting because we have a couple of special guests, but they're not, major I don't know it's hard to say like they are important to the plot but they're also not super fleshed out I guess mm-hmm. um Luis Ferreria plays Peter Canis only he is um or maybe Lewis Lewis or Luis but he was credited as Justin Lewis at the time um mm-hmm. he isn't given much beyond I'm a bad guy and I like my dogs um mm-hmm and he does fine with it. A guy with dogs in his name, even though it's spelled differently as Canis, I, I was just like, on the nose, yeah. guys. Come on. Yep. <laughs> they were uh, they were not hiding okay. that one. No, they weren't. Um, what he is given to do, I think he does a fine job with it. I, I looked at, mm-hmm. he's, he looked familiar to me, and it's because he is just one of those guys that's been in like yeah. tons of television, TV, movies, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Stargate, Stargate Universe. You know, he pops up in a few right. episodes here. Maybe have a, a small part in a, in a show that runs for a season or two there. Like, that's that's who he is. Um, and he's not bad. I, at least I did like that he he had a different look and feel in the flashbacks as opposed to present day while maintaining kind of the same mentality. Like his characterization yeah. wasn't different, but the way he dressed and the way that he spoke was very different from England in the late 1700s to present day. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so I like that. It's funny how much more flamboyant he was in the present day. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's stuff. it's pretty crazy. Like he was all he was leather head to toe, like black leather head to toe with the yellow glasses. Um, but with the like puffy shirts and stuff, like yeah. even more so than Duncan wears, like, and that's saying something. That is, that's true. Um, and I think that that kind of falls back to like his, uh, even his fighting style was very um, fencing. You know, it was, it was one arm, the other arm tucked behind his back. Um, so it kind of felt like maybe that was where the puffy shirts thing, like he just couldn't quite let go of that part of himself. 
Right. Which, you know, somebody who's lived hundreds of years, that yeah. if you get used to a certain kind of dress, you're going to want to stick with that, you know? Yeah. Um, it was funny, too, when he... Uh, I think when it was he was in the uh, cemetery, he didn't do it the whole episode, but in the cemetery, he had a collar matching his dogs. Yes. I was like, oh, they've all got the same collar. How cute. I almost kind of wish they could have even they could have given him more time in the episode and really leaned into the idea of like the pack and his dogs because they mm-hmm. tried to. They did give us the moment where he after his one dog is hit by the van. Um, right. Later on, we get him putting that dog onto a, a pyre and you know burning the dog um, mm-hmm. as as kind of a sign of solidarity with his with his dogs. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just kind of wish they could have done even more of that. But again, but, you know, sort of like last week, he's there, but he's not the central focus of this episode. Right. He's so. there to have a villain because we need to have a villain because the other part of the episode, we're not going to do that thing. So we need the villain part over here to do the Highlander immortal thing. So let's throw this guy in there. Um, mm hmm. It's the other the one other thing he reminded me of is the bad guy from the uh, Pixar movie Up. Oh yeah, with the dogs. Uh huh. <laughs> they weren't running around with little voiceover things, but it no. definitely had that same kind of vibe of I'm in charge of the dogs. The dogs will do my bidding. And and that's the thing that I wish they could have gone into more because at one point there's a scene where. Because he's constantly getting Duncan sort of into a spot and then holding him there. Um, mm-hmm. And he did it in the cemetery and kind of had one of the dogs stay as he left with the other two. And then that one ended up running off. But it was like there to hold Duncan in place. Later right. on when um, he goes to the dog breeder mm-hmm. and his dog is there and then runs off. after the And, and they find the, the woman who runs the, uh, the dog breeder herself um her son being like petting the dog the dog's acting friendly to him but Canis is like look one thought and he'll rip his throat out and mm-hmm. it's like no i want to play into that more like how has he got this yeah. good of a connection with these dogs because mm-hmm. there's training dogs and then there's this um, there's training dogs and then we've also played with you know psychic abilities and stuff sure. like that and the possibility of other kinds of Absolutely. Weird abilities and stuff. So definitely would have been fun to play with that a little bit more. It would have been. Um, and and it would have made the ending... The only thing is it would have made the, the climax a little tougher to reconcile if he had that kind of a connection Maybe. with the dogs, um, which we'll get to when we talk about the final fight. I want to save it for that. Yeah. But uh, but I, I, I just... I think... I wish they could have leaned into that a little bit more, but for what he was given in this episode, he was fine. There's nothing wrong with him. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely serviceable. Uh, the other um, special guest I do want to mention because uh, he was as important, if not more to the plot, especially Richie's subplot. Travis McDonald played Mark Rocha, I think is how mm-hmm. it was pronounced. Um, now the cool thing about this, and I have to give them credit for it, is it's the same actor that played the kid in the episode in season two that shot Tessa and Richie. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice touch because it could have been very easy to just get somebody that kind of looked like him, but you know, it's two years yeah. later, you're not going to get the same actor back, but they managed to find the actor and bring him right. back to play this character completely mm-hmm. differently too. He's, he's not the same person that he was at that point. Um, right. And 
you know, it, it's there's the tropey bit of like he was all messed up on drugs and doesn't remember any of it, um, which mm-hmm. sadly they don't get to go into enough because um, it's only kind of a secondary plot. Um, right. But uh, but he was again, I thought that he was pretty good. I actually found his performance to be fairly believable the moment he has the realization of the jacket when Richie because up until that point he had been denying what had happened but it was um but he seemed almost too like nonchalant about this guy chased him into his own apartment and was beating him up telling him he murdered somebody and he's just like it's cool yeah but when he when Richie confronts him the second time and tells mentions the jacket he has that realization that oh crap, that was my jacket. I did do that, and I mm-hmm. I don't remember any of it. Um, right. That was a good moment. So, I I enjoyed. Yeah. That. It, it was really interesting the way they played with that whole idea of is this actually the guy that killed Tessa? Mm-hmm. Because you know they flash back to it. He was wearing a bandana at the time. You. It was a dark place. You don't really get the sense for what yeah. kind of hair he has. And here he's got, you know, a pretty full head of uh, red, bushy hair. Um, oh, he's and, you know, got full on like ginger uh, hobbit hair. Right. But they just play with the idea the whole episode until that last confrontation that maybe this isn't the guy and it just happens to look like him. Maybe Richie's wrong. Who yeah. knows? And the fact that Richie is the only person who saw him. Also, like yeah. Duncan never actually saw him. Duncan heard the gunshots and came running over. Yep. And the mm-hmm. guy was gone by then. So Duncan doesn't even know what he looks like. And, you know, it was interesting when Duncan comes into the police station and Richie's like, that's the guy. And Duncan's like, I believe Richie, you know, and is seething against him. So really interesting the way they played it up. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and he was he was good. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. There was also Rachel Hayward played the Duchess during the flashbacks. Um, she's not really, yeah, not much there. Like from a character standpoint, mm-hmm. yeah, know, she was she was just the Duchess. Um, so she was mm-hmm. fine. But no, uh, uh, Luis uh, Ferreria and uh, Travis McDonald, um, solid work from special guests. Nothing oh, yeah. that nothing to blow you out of the water. Like Peter Canis mm-hmm. is not going to be uh, uh, an evil immortal that will go down as one of the best. Um, but certainly we've seen much, much worse. Uh, oh yeah. Both, sure. both written and performed. So like, as we talk about so often, this is one of those times where he's, he's not super mustache twirly, but he's just bad enough for what they need. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a bad guy. He, he enjoys hunting other immortals the way that he does. He, he, you can tell, but, um, he doesn't go, two over the top. Right. Ah, well, Europeans preferred to ride stallions into battle, whereas the Turks preferred mares. Nobody was ready for what happened when they met. Which was? Well, turned out half the mares were in heat. It was love at first sight. (laughs) So our flashbacks, there's actually two... So there's two main flashbacks that take place in England in 1785. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Duncan is out on a deer hunt. We see, you know, it starts off. They're they're all riding on horseback. They've got the hounds um, out, and uh, while they're while they're out, Duncan over, you know, hears a, a young boy screaming for help, and he's running away from a dog. 
And so Duncan goes to check it out, and the dog is chasing him. And before the dog can jump and attack the boy, Duncan shoots it. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets on off the horse, and Canis was the one behind it. Um, gets very upset with Duncan for shooting his his dog. And uh, Duncan's like, well, he would have killed the child. Uh, and he goes, he was supposed to kill the child. He threw rocks at my dog. So at, that, at this point, mm-hmm. we're already establishing that this far back, he's crazy about his dogs. Right. Um like he we and, also get the line that he he tells Duncan about you know Duncan's like everybody deserves to live and he's like men like us hunt what we wish so yes. with that one line we get the characterization of Canis of like you know he's his shtick is to hunt whatever he wants yep. with his dogs yeah, you know absolutely. it's not it's not super important but we get his shtick in this flashback so mm-hmm. you know and and then he's so incensed by what Duncan did that when the Duchess and the rest of her people show up, he threatens her because she mm-hmm. tells she uh, Duncan says, you know, hey, this dog was trying to attack the boy. And she's like, on my land, uh-uh, get rid of the dog. And Katie flips out and, and threatens her. So she's like, well, all right, you're arrested now because, you <laughs> yeah. know, Duchess, she can do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then our second part of that flashback starts off with Duncan and the Duchess kind of getting it on uh, when they mm-hmm. hear they hear a bunch of dogs barking. And then one of the uh, kind of servants or somebody comes up letting her know, hey, uh, some guards got killed by dogs. Um, and she's right. already annoyed with the kind of the, the loudness of the dogs and, and all this dealing mm-hmm. kind of we're led to believe it's centered around Canis um, and it's his right. dogs that are the problem. So. She's just like, all right, fine. That's it. We're executing him. I'm not even waiting for a trial. And <laughs> yeah. uh, and so there's a execution uh, where Canis is like, Duncan McLeod, hmm? I'm going to remember you. Um, and and, and Duncan's just like, I hope you do. Yep. So after the execution, um, Duncan doesn't get to, he wants to make sure the body gets buried, as he says, which mm-hmm. is immortal code for, I'll wait till everyone's gone and then chop his head off. Um, right. <laughs> doesn't get to do that when he comes back later uh canis is gone he's gotten out yep. um, and he's gone but that's not our only flashback our other flashback has to do with tessa um yeah so i both love and hate this other flashback um <laughs> i like it because it's it's added context to a scene that we know already which is duncan mm-hmm. finding tessa after she's been shot Right. Grieving over her and then Richie waking up. Mm-hmm. And so we get a little bit more dialogue between Richie and Duncan. Um, where Richie's like, I'm an immortal like you. And, and Duncan kind of lets him know, yeah, you always were. And Richie's like, oh, so you knew this whole time. What about Tessa? No, she's not. My problem with it is, is the execution of it isn't great. You uh-huh. can clearly tell that this was that this like second half of it was filmed not in the same location. Uh, the right. shots, the shots of Duncan are just a black background. Mm-hmm. Um, even they brought, they actually brought back Alexandra Vandernoot to shoot that, that scene. Did she's, they? It apparent, according to IMDB, she's listed as in the episode, but uncredited. Um, right. And it certainly looks like her in one shot but her hair's different. Yeah. I was um, a little iffy if that was actually her or not. But it, I just feel like 
I wish they could have done it better. Plus, it it lingers way too long at the first part of it, of from yeah. the gunshot until Duncan. Like we get all of Duncan coming outside and then slowly making mm-hmm. his way up when he has the realization it's Tessa and like it just um, it's one of those. It was one of those where I'm I'm just sitting here like, come on, come on, move forward. We know this part, right? And uh, I didn't need that. And then the um the montage slash flashback stuff was fine, but it also felt like it went on too long for me. Uh, when he's jogging, they, mm-hmm. they, they wanted to make sure they got a, a good amount of the song in. Yeah, it works for me. I, I didn't mind that so much. I think because I love the song and in any sure. instance, I get to listen to it, especially sure. in the, you know, TV or movie in a decent montage or something like, yep. I okay. think I think what it was is it felt a little bit long, but then as I watched it, I'm like, oh, but it's a syndicated show. So this episode could come on just out of nowhere. So we need some context as to why Duncan is going through what he's going through. All right. I can right. so I can let that go a little bit. I think tighten up the, the flashback part of it with like we don't mm-hmm. need so much of him walking up to finding her shot. Right. We can shorten that part up and then it's a nitpick to just be like, if, if they could have just matched what had been, what had happened before a little bit better, or just shoot that again in a different spot. Um, right. With different context. Or I don't know. Use the footage you had and just do more voiceover between Duncan and Richie. That could you know, make too. it a little bit more dreamlike mm-hmm. to be more of a memory than just showing what they actually wanted to show us. Cause like for a second I thought, is this unused footage that they cut originally? And then I saw Duncan Holden test. I'm like, is that even her? <laughs> yeah. I uh, had the same thought. I was like, Oh no, this is like stuff that they cut last time, but no, it's definitely been reshot. So yeah, it's not terrible. And, and the stuff with no. Kane, the flashback stuff with Canis was pretty good. Um, I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. Uh, we've seen better. We've seen much, much worse. Um, oh, and, yeah. And we've seen much more egregious uh, reusing of footage. And mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. So, you know, yeah. it is what I mean, the Candace flashbacks were pretty much pitch perfect. Let's have a flashback that ties to the present, mm-hmm. that explains the relationship. They didn't overstay their welcome at all. Like, those were perfectly timed and had just the amount of information we needed. Yes. I'm like you. I'm an immortal. You always were. You knew all along, didn't you? Yeah. So Richie gets a lot to do in this episode because, boy, is he angry. Um, And this is another instance where it's like part of me wanted to, when, when he first lunged after the kid on the street and started attacking him in broad daylight like that, I thought, oh no, no, they're not like, I'm going to not like Richie in this episode. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to cringe at it. I'm going to think it's too much. It actually wasn't. Uh, the, yeah. The further along the story went, the better it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. His initial uh, and continued seething rage makes perfect sense. Yeah, I hate it, but I understand uh-huh. it. Yes. Because. When you think about Richie as a character, he was in and out of the system until he came to Duncan and Tessa. Yep. And Tessa was, you know, we talked about it endlessly through those episodes. Tessa was his big sister. Absolutely. 
and watched watched out for him, helped him. Like a lot of the times when Duncan was off doing stuff, it was him and Tessa running the business of the uh, shop or doing the, him helping her with whatever. And it's just like they had like we talked about it so much. The connection they had as characters and as mm-hmm. actors together being so well together, that brother sister relationship. And you know that for Richie, this is his first time, especially after becoming an immortal, losing somebody and having to deal with that. Yeah. And talks about it later on. This isn't his first rodeo, but it is for Richie. So he is working his way through this in a way that is totally understandable. And I very much appreciated the fact that the way everything was written out, Duncan didn't come down hard on him or try to preach to him and tell him, no, 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 you got to get out. Like he did, he, he was a little bit of like, it's not going to help her type of thing. Right. But he also kind of was going to just let Richie do what Richie does because he's been there and he understands what he understands that stage of life that Richie's in right now. Right. So it's like, I can't stop you from being angry and it's not going to do any, any good to to try and like forcibly stop you either. Right. Um, so I did appreciate that. Yeah, I hated the fact that R- Richie goes into rages like that, but they didn't, it never became like poorly done. It never became overdone. Yeah. I mean, I, I kept going like, Richie, you got to let it go. Stop mm-hmm. it. But then at the same time, I'm like, I, I get it. Dang it. I get it. Yes. If I knew somebody killed somebody I loved, got away with it. And especially, this is the other part of it, Richie transitioning into that more immortal mentality of somebody done bad, I get to kill that somebody. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. And oh, it's absolutely. Almost, but Richie, that doesn't work for everybody. That works for immortals. <laughs> but still got the regular world and the way things work. So Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a touch of the young Richie who was hot headed and flew off the handle with his emotions, um, mm-hmm. but tempered with the maturity that he's shown over the last couple of years. Um, right. So it was it was very well done, and again, Stan Kirsch is great. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't say enough about his performances and how how much he understands the character by this point, and he's yeah. just he's so good sure. there. Then layer on the fact that. He gets like that, and then he sees Duncan go from ready to rip the guy's head off in the police station to mm-hmm. to kind of being passive and just being like, I'm, I'm just not going to do anything about it. But Duncan doesn't explain that to him, so Richie's confused by that, and then he's then he goes to Dawson, and and Dawson is noncommittal. Hey, yo, Joe's in this episode. Yeah, Joe's here. But he is downtrodden from the fallout of what happened two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Richie doesn't have that context. And so here he is right. like, I'm going to go to the other guy that would understand this. And Dawson's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it is what it is, kid. And Richie's yeah. like, what the hell is going on with both of you? <laughs> and, and Joe and Duncan are the same type of knuckleheads that aren't yep. going to tell Richie anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So here's Richie. Like, why are mom and dad fighting? And I don't know what's going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just, oh, it was so good. And and I really, I was so glad that uh, even if it doesn't last super long in a syndicated ep- episodic show like this, that there was some serialization and mm-hmm. we're seeing the fallout 
of what right. happened. Because mm-hmm. it would have been very easy for them to just like, Joe's not around for a few episodes and then, ah, but you know what? They'll they'll have a heart to heart and it'll be fine. Let's sure. let's let that happen, but this will make it feel more earned because mm-hmm. we see we see Joe being like, I can't do anything, I can't help, and Mac doesn't want my right. help. And Richie telling Duncan, hey, Joe might know where this guy with a pack of dogs is. Why don't we go talk to him? And Duncan being like, I don't want to go to Joe. Yeah. So I I liked that. That's nice. Even mm-hmm. if it only lasts for a couple episodes, it's something, right? It's a it's right. at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Plus, as we always say, any episode with Joe Dawson is a better episode. So for sure. And 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 I again, Jim Burns knowing the character and playing him, he's hurt. He's broken. He is so he is mm-hmm. still stinging from what Duncan told him the last time he saw him. Right. Made probably I mean, we even, got that. We even got that little tiny flashback. Yeah. Which they did a really good job of just showing that little bit of it and mm-hmm. not, you know, showing way too much. Right. But showing that little bit of a flashback of what happened last time. Again, mm-hmm. syndicated show. Who knows when they're seeing this episode, but seeing sure. that little flashback part and then coming back to Richie talking to Joe and seeing how Joe is dealing with it. Like, again, this is, <laughs> I think some of this is 90s machoism where it's like the guys aren't actually going to talk about everything. Right. So Joe's not going to tell Richie. Duncan's not going to tell Richie. And Richie's like, what the heck? What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> what What is happening um, here? Um, but still, again, mature of Richie to say, okay, there's a problem. Let me go talk to Joe. Yep. Not having a beef with Joe. He's going to talk to Joe. And yep. Joe's like, eh. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, uh, again, I mean, these are actors that just, by this point, they know their characters. And mm-hmm. their their performances are great. The, the stuff with Richie at the end, especially with how angry he was, mm-hmm. and then for him to have the realization of, like, this guy just doesn't, he has no memory of what happened. It wasn't the same right. person. What Richie figured out as he was holding that guy over the, the fire escape, about to drop him 25 feet or whatever it was, 40 feet, mm-hmm. was that the guy he was attacking was not the same person that shot him and Tessa. Right. And because once they got to that confrontation and Travis McDonald as Mark has the realization like, oh, crap, that I did have that jacket. I did dress like that. Mm-hmm. That was me. Holy crap. Yeah. And saying, I did it. I killed her. And just the re- impressive acting he does, like making that realization. And then <laughs> Richie's just like, see you, SOB, and throws yep. him over the side. Oh yeah, it's just like, oh. Yeah, and then that final moment with Joe, with um, with Richie and uh, and Duncan, where Richie's like, you know, it, is this even, where's the justice in this? Mm-hmm. And just Duncan being like, there isn't justice. There's just mercy. Right. Mm-hmm. And and again, yeah. like you talked about earlier, like just the way they react in that conversation. W- Richie walks in, letting Duncan think he killed the guy. And Duncan is just like, okay, you did it. And like, yeah, not, he's not terribly upset, not terribly mad, but still disappointed. He's a little bit disappointed, but he's also like, he kind of has this like, I get it though. Like, I understand mm-hmm. you had to, it wouldn't have been, it's not the way that I wish things would have gone, but I'm also not going to freak out about it. And I'm not going to be overly disappointed. We'll move on from this. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when Richie's like, "But I couldn't do it," you just see that little bit of a smile, 
uh-huh. and Duncan Duncan has that little bit of pride, like, oh, my boy's growing up. Right. Well, I think also it's too it's Duncan seeing that Richie really is much more of a good person. Like I think up to this mm-hmm. point, Duncan's wondering what kind of person Richie actually is through all this. He doesn't fault him for being that kind of person, you know, dealing with Tessa's death and dealing with the person who killed Tessa. But when Richie comes back and is a merciful person, Duncan's like proud of that. And he's like, okay, Richie is, I almost get the sense that in that little, you know, head up, eyebrow up, he's like, Richie is not somebody I'm going to have to worry about in the future. Right. Yes, that's a great way to put that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good, good stuff from from Richie and Joe. Actually, this is the part of the episode that, for me, made this a good episode, is what they did with mm-hmm. both writing and then performances of Richie and Joe are kind of elevating this. Without that, um, if it was just the stuff with Canis, it would have been passable. This makes it mm-hmm. once like, no, this is worth watching. Yeah. For sure. Where's the justice in all this? There is no justice. Just mercy. So our final fight is another one that isn't super long, but it has a cool buildup. And mm-hmm. um, I did like that because there was a scene where Canis goes to the breeder and he wants to buy um, the female dog that she has. Mm-hmm. and the woman's like, she's not for sale, and he starts to threaten her, and Duncan just so happens to show up, apparently knows this breeder, we don't know, there's a little bit of like uh, the plot demanded it uh, type thing. Hand-wavy, yeah. hand-wavy, hand that's fine, whatever. Well, didn't they talk about he'd probably be looking for another dog, so Duncan probably... Maybe, but it just so happens that he goes to the breeder of dogs that Duncan knows and is going there at the same time, like... It was convenient, but I'm fine yeah. with it. I don't care. Yeah. No, I think Duncan was just thinking Canis would be looking for another dog, and it's more of they just happen to both be going to the same place at the same time. As I mean, he's trying to track Canis, and Canis happens to be at this breeder. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Like, it all yeah. works. But what I liked about it was they make reference to the fact that the 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 dog at the breeder is in heat, and that was mm-hmm. why he wanted that dog was to continue to breed his dogs. Right. And then when Duncan arrives, cha- basically chases Canis off, uh, comes back to the breeder, and that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. I like then that later on, Duncan's at the house, he's working on the renovations when Canis shows up, and he's got his other two dogs, and the mm-hmm. dogs are about to attack, and then Duncan opens up the door, and there's Lucille. And she's in the room and he's just like, Hey boys, go have some fun. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's really funny. This is the part of the episode. I actually remembered, like (laughs) I remembered this much of the episode, like Duncan having the female dog for the other two. I was like, Hmm. When I love it because (laughs) then he he tells Canis, he's like nature. Yeah. You gotta let it. It's, it's going to win type of thing. (laughs) Uh, And then he closes the door. And they have their fight. And it was great because yeah. it's like, that's a perfect way to get the dogs out of the way without mm-hmm. having to resort to either an accidental thing that, that kills one of the dogs or Duncan mm-hmm. doing something that would make us hate him, right? And attacking right. the dog. Um, so and it was a fun little moment. And then 
Then they get to have their fight. And what I liked about the fight was it was a clash of styles because we mentioned yeah. earlier, Canis was very upright, rigid fencing style. And mm-hmm. that's not Duncan's style anymore. Right. Um, Duncan, of course, having a little bit of fun with him. Now he way overmatches Canis. And yes. the other part and of he that, that, he does. <laughs> and what I liked about that is it narratively makes sense because Canis mm-hmm. is probably at this point several hundred years worth of wearing people down and just walking up and taking their heads. Yeah, He hasn't had to fight somebody like Duncan for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. It's just not his way. So once he gets into a fair fight, it's over. Right. Um, right. So Especially like when you do a uh, jump flip twist. <laughs> oh, that was so ridiculous. Jumping off of the porch, flipping over him and decapitating him. Like, uh, it was so silly, but not nearly as silly as the quickening. Which uh, yeah. I will say is yeah. one of one of the worst quickenings we've seen. Yeah. Because the whole damn house came off the foundation in one piece and floated and then then gently set itself back down. The thing about that is the dogs were still inside the house when all that was going yeah. on. So you know he's going to have to go into that room that those dogs were in and just hose it down. Uh-huh. <laughs> because yeah. uh, it was... The icing on the crap cake of that quick... <laughs> Stupid joke he made about earthquake insurance. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, my goodness. I should have gotten earthquake insurance. No, 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 no. Guys, guys, come on. That's two bad insurance jokes in one episode. (laughs) Earlier at the university, one of the other professors like, are on life insurance. And Duncan's just like, let me know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need life insurance. I was just like. That one I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. And then they do the earthquake insurance. I was like, Ugh. yeah. Okay. I mean, who's a writer on this show that used to work in insurance and has just been dying to get these <laughs> jokes? That's what happened, I'm sure. And that, I mean, not only that, but the whole thing with the house levitating doesn't even make sense in the world that they exist in. Yeah. Like, why the quickening would make the house raise? Like, it has nothing to do because usually the quickenings have some kind of a narrative tie to like who he's been fighting or there's something, you know, that goes on or it's just really cool. Lots of explosions. And they were like, we don't have a pyro budget for this episode, but we want to do something different. So yeah, why don't we, uh, why don't we make the house raise up and we can do a, a fun visual effect with that. And it's like, no, it was not fun. And it was, it was dumb. Don't do that again. It was dumb. It was bad enough when we saw them levitate bodies during the quickenings. And now we're watching yeah. them levitate a whole damn house. I mean, the bodies thing is understandable because of the whole immortality thing. Yeah. They only did it like a couple times. They did it, you know, at the beginning of the season, which followed after Three. we just saw it in yeah. the third boot. So it was just like, okay, I kind of get that. But a whole freaking house? <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. Gosh. Uh, but that you is... know he's going to have to get that thing inspected afterwards to make sure it actually landed back on the foundation correctly. Oh, right. No. If it doesn't, he's going to have to get another mortal out there and cut their head off and, and like, try to direct it. <laughs> it's going to have a procession of immortals come out. Guys, i got to get this thing back on the foundation right. It's coming off the footings. Just have the have the inspector on standby. All right, hold on. <laughs> Slice. Uh-huh. Uh, but that notwithstanding, still a good episode. Yes. Um, I can I can look past the silliness of that uh, that quickening. Um, mm-hmm. and because it was good character work 
from Richie uh, for the short time that Joe's on screen, and even from mm-hmm. Duncan, both dealing with Canis and yeah. dealing with Tessa, uh, Tessa's yeah. death and everything that went on there. So, you know, it, as the episode began, I'm thinking, ugh, this is going to be a complete filler episode that I'm going to just, I'll make it through. And by the end of it, I was like, eh, you know what? That one was pretty good. It wasn't so bad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, some of the flashback montage stuff stretched a little bit further than it needed to, but it nowhere near as egregious as we've seen before. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so that, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, it also doesn't help this episode much that it's coming off the heels of three really solid episodes in a row too. Yeah. It's like at some point the quality level is going to take a step down and it's just enough that, you know, by comparison, you you plop this into season two. This is a much better episode by you know context than oh, yeah. than this one is. So, you know, it is what it is. It, overall, uh, we're having a strong start to season four, which is what I expected. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. So next week's episode is uh, Double Eagle, uh, episode five, and I do believe it has Amanda. Ooh. So that'll be fun. Um. So yeah, if you if you like listening to this show and you wanna you wanna catch us recording it live and kind of get the between segment banter as we sort of figure things out or just just for fun uh, and be like Danny Orr and Ace who are in the chat room right now, um, come hang out with us on Tuesdays Tuesday nights 9 p.m. Eastern time twitch.tv slash TV's Travis and you can hang out with Audie and I and we'll talk with you uh, about Immortals and Highlander. Uh, we also do that on Twitter. Um, I am at TV's Travis on Twitter and Audie, your Twitter is oddly normal one with the one spelled out. So not the number. Absolutely. And, and as always, uh, another killer sword, uh, piece of art this week. I liked that. Um, that was a cool, he had a cool looking sword. I have to give credit there. This so. one, unlike last week, it's much harder to try to nail down because <laughs> much every scene the sword is in, it is moving just about. Yep. Yeah. Thankfully, a terrible angle. Thankfully, it's a type of sword that you've probably seen enough that you can at least you can. There, there wasn't anything overly unique about it that you had to worry about. But yeah, I'm a big fan of rapiers, so yeah, it it was easier for me to kind of figure things out and look at some other references to figure out what was doing what on that sword. But yeah, yeah. But once again, great, great artwork, and I love that you do that bespoke art for each episode. It's really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. We also um. Yeah, so uh, until next week and episode five, Double Eagle, remember that there can be only one leader of the pack. Let's hope. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)